welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. We're going to go to the word of the Lord, the book of Acts, chapter number two. Amen. And beginning at verse number one, I think you may have heard this a time or two in your life. Amen. Especially if you're around Pentecost at all. Amen. Acts chapter two, and we're going to begin at verse number one. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. I love verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. And one place. This is probably the most misquoted scripture in the Bible because I can't tell you how many times I've heard people get up and scream red face, say, We, we got to get in one mind and one accord. That's what they, they did not get in one mind. You got to get in one accord. One accord is of one belief, it is of one intention. Amen. If they'd have been in one mind, there would have never been an Acts one and, or two and two. Because you had one mind over here doing this and one mind over there doing that. Another mind over here doing that. One mind is probably mad because he didn't be, get to be the 12th disciple. And This mind over here says, I'm hungry. They've been fasting for 10 days. This mind over here said, my, my ankles are cramping. And this mind over here says, somebody needs to take a bath. And this mind over here said. But what they had to do was bypass the mind and come together of the intent of what the Spirit wanted them to do. Amen. And so they came together. Now I want you to jump down to another scripture I'm sure you've never heard of before. And we're going to go down to verse number 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. And they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Jump down to verse 46. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness. See? See? They ate meat with gladness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. That tells me a steak will make you glad. Some chicken and fish will make you glad. Amen. They ate their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. You cook good food, you're going to have favor with people. Having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. We see two parallels here. We see, we see the Holy Ghost falling in the first part. Then we see them responding to the message of Simon Peter. Then we see them obey the message of Simon Peter. Then we see that in verse 42, now they are breaking bread, learning the apostles' doctrine, 
Then in verse 46, they reemphasize that because after 42 it says, and they were added daily. And then you go to verse 46 and it says, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. And then in verse 47 again it says, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And I believe that, um, you know, there's an old saying that says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I may be a little old-fashioned, but I don't think the Bible's broke. And I don't think God's formula for growth is broke. And I love um, our organization. I'm, I'm UPC to the bone. I thank God for it. I think it's not the only organization that has truth, but I, I think it's the most effective out there for global missions. There's no other apostolic organization that does more for missions. I thank God for that. And uh, I'm proudly and thankfully ordained, but I want to say this, because I don't want you to take away from it. I want to know what the Bible says about church growth. Because I thank God for the UPC, but I could, I could give a flying rip about what an organization says about church growth. I want to know what the Bible says. And I could care less what the latest church guru says about church growth. I believe there is a biblical model that we can follow that allows growth in our life and in the body of Christ. Can you say amen? And a lot of these things uh, uh, are just oftentimes they're gimmicks. I want to know what the Bible says can cause me to grow. And cause the church to grow also. And I want to talk to you tonight and teach for a little while this evening on a book of Acts model for church growth. A book of Acts model for church growth. And let's pray together right now. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your presence, for your spirit, for your great anointing that we feel. I pray, Lord, that you would touch our hearts and help us, oh God, to receive your word engrafted into our heart and to our spirit. And I pray that you'd bless everyone under the sound of my voice tonight and help us to grow stronger in you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Now, I, I want to say a few things from the onset so that I'm not misunderstood. Uh, first of all, I want to note that this building is the meeting place of the church, but it is not the body of Christ. We are the church. We are the church. And we are whom that the Holy Ghost has chosen to dwell in. Amen. Now, his spirit dwells in this place. How many believes that? You, you can come through here during the week, and if you're vacuuming or doing something, you can feel there's a reverence and there's a special presence and peace of God in this place. Amen. But, but it's not reserved for, for walls made of wood and sheetrock. We are the church of the living God. Now, I want to say that first of all. I think sometimes we get, uh, we kind of lose that aspect but I, but I also want to say, being that we are the church of God does not negate the fact 
that we need to meet in the church. Because it's not either or, it's both and. So it's not, well, if I am church, then wherever I am is church, and so I don't need the church. That's not what it is. Now, the book of Acts said they went to the temple daily and house to house, breaking of bread. Paul, to whom we believe is the writer, uh, or at least I do, the writer of Hebrews, says to not forsake the assembling of yourselves. In other words, there is a meeting place that we have agreed upon that is where we as individual parts of the body of Christ come together at an appointed time and we worship the Lord together and we find strength in the Lord together. Amen? And so I wanted to say that. Then I, and then I also wanted to find, because we have, you know, we, we have, and especially uh, since COVID, and um, there, there seemed to be just this whole deal of just get rid of the church building and just, you know, we don't need church and this is God finally sitting the church out to do what it's supposed to do. And I, I think there may have been a little bit of God saying, hey, you need to come out of your comfort zone. But I don't think the whole point of, of, of COVID was God saying, uh, get rid of the church building. Um, and if that's what somebody got out of it, they're more influenced from hell than they are from the word of God. And so we got to understand, somebody say, I am the church. Amen. So, so when I say the church, when I say church growth, I mean that in two parts. I mean that, that in us as in the person, but I also mean us as in the congregation or the assembling of the body of Christ. So it's a twofold thing. You, you, you cannot have church growth until you have church growth. And some of y'all said, thank you, Pastor. I'm going to work on that tonight. I'm picking up some ice cream and fried chicken. And I'm going to work on growing this church tonight. Amen. Well, that's, <laughs> that's not necessarily what I mean either. Amen. What I mean is growing, growing here. Growing in your walk with God. Listen, you cannot, let, let, let me back up and say this too. There are so many uh, misconceptions and preconceived ideas that, number one, that we can force God to cause the church to grow. We've got to believe in seasons. That's what Solomon said. To everything under heaven, there is what? A season and a purpose for everything under the sun. And so we've got to understand that not every season is growth season. Now, I'm not saying that to say well, we're not in a growth. I'm, I'm just saying there are cycles that we go through personally. There are cycles we go through in the church. There are cycles where the church is being added to and numerically the church is growing. There are sometimes the church isn't growing numerically, but is growing spiritually. Then there are sometimes that God is wanting the church to rest and get ready for the season of harvest. That makes sense? And so we've got to, We've got, you know, Paul said it like this, I have learned that whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content. And so learning not to frustrate my faith by measuring myself against somebody else and say, well, well, they're doing, and if they're doing that and I'm not where they are, then I must be failing God. I helped a, 
I hope to do two things. Well, more than two, but here's two for this part. One, take note that we need to follow the path that God's calling us to. And two, is to be comfortable where God has placed us in the kingdom for this time. Paul wrote and he said, I would that you would grow with the growth of God. So that tells me there is a, my idea of growth and then there's God's purpose to grow. Now, if it were up to me, we would be building a 200,000 seat auditorium and there would be millions lined up down the I-80 freeway and the 113 trying to get into the service because I've just got that much faith that God can do that. But that's my idea. I've got to find what is the growth that God wants for me. Now, there's two words that we use. Um, we, we use the word revival. Everybody say revival. Now, <clears throat> revival has kind of become an all-encompassing word, if you would. Revival's become, when we say revival, we, we say, God, send us revival. And what we, what we mean is uh, give us new souls. Give us backsliders coming home. Uh, give us healings, miracles, signs, wonders, financial blessings, deliverance, breakthroughs, overcoming. And it's kind of all encompassing. But the word revival, um, this is going to shock you. So hold on, somebody. I don't want to hit in the floor. I, I really don't. I, I, you're fair warning. So if you hit the floor and pass out and faint under the revelation of this, you've been forewarned. Uh, revival means to make live again. Revive, vive life, re-life, life again, live again. Uh, one definition of the word revival means, uh, means to restore an old play or an old program. You, they, they have, they have uh, the Shakespeare revival and they have all of these and they take the old plays and they do them over again and they call it the revival. And so in that sense, when we say revival, then we got to understand that there's a difference between revival and harvest. Because revival is for the church, but harvest is for the lost. Right? I'm not, I'm not trying to be cute on semantics here. I, I, I mean, we, I really want to define these. We need to know what the words mean, right? Uh, because sometimes we come up with words and it's all encompassing like, like uh, Kleenex. Say, I need a Kleenex. Well, I don't know. Oh, what do you know? These are Kleenex. But there, there are different brand makers. Kleenex is not what this is. How many know what this is really called? Facial tissue or tissue. But what do we say? Hand me a Kleenex. And if you've got a smart aleck and they know it's bounty, they'll go, we don't have any. We got facial tissue, but we don't got Kleenex. So it's kind of important because, you know, Kleenex is just a brand. Facial tissue is what you, you don't need the brand. You need the product. Now, if Kleenex started producing sandpaper, you would only ask for Kleenex one time and do this with sandpaper before long You'll be going, I need facial tissue, right? It'd take one time blowing your nose into sandpaper that you would find out what it's really called, amen? <laughs> so, so knowing the meaning of it and the purpose of it really does 
really does help us to understand because reviving is for me. Reviving is for the church. But harvest is what happens outside the church that you bring into the church. The church is likened unto the Father's house or the house. Jesus said, my house is full, but what? My fields are empty. In other words, everybody's bellied up to the dinner table. Everybody's happy and sassy and singing and having a good time, but there is wheat out in the field that is rotting because nobody will go out there and harvest it. Now, maybe I'm the only one in here but I would prefer a good meal to a hard day's work. Wake me up in the morning and say, you're either going to go eat Ruth's Chris or you're going to dig ditches for 14 hours. I'm not going to have to pray about that one. Right? Right, Brother Vinny? I'm, it, it, you're either going to uh, roof a house in August and it's 112 and you're going to be doing it for 14 hours or we can go down to the Brazilian steakhouse not going to be much of a choice it's going to be like are, are, are you kidding have you lost your mind let's go eat this is the way it becomes as believers when we come together and we worship together what we are doing is we are enjoying the bounty and the blessing of God we're coming together and we're enjoying song we're enjoying the preached word amen which is likened unto bread or meat we're enjoying the worship we're, we're, we're getting intoxicated, if you would, with the joy of the salvation of God. But we, we forget a lot of times that right outside that door is what our true calling was. Because in Acts 1, Jesus said, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You go and tarry. You go wait on the promise of the Father. He said, and I'm going to endue you with power on high, and you shall be witnesses unto me. You shall be witnesses unto me. So the very first thing he said that was going to happen after you were endued with power is that you would be a witness. Amen. In, in legal terms, a, a witness is someone who can testify to the facts of a situation. Right? And you want the right witness in, in, on the witness thing. If you're being tried for murder and there's, you know, capital punishments on the table, uh, you, don't, you don't want Cousin Fred the Ding Dong testifying for you. You want somebody with, with credibility. You, you, want, you don't want them to go find your drunk uncle laying under a bench somewhere for the last three months to try to testify to your credibility. You want somebody that is a witness that really knows you. And says, you know, they, they, they do good. Now, they have bad days, but murder, no, they would absolutely never do that. They're a good person, and they, they, they love people. And you want them to give a character. With Jesus said, when I empower you with the Holy Ghost, I am them, then assigning you to go out and be a character witness for me. I want you to go tell people not just how good I am, not just the benefits, I want you to go tell people what the power of my spirit did in your life and your testimony to the jurors, because that's who the world is. The jurors is who you have to convince. They're not the judge. They're the juror. And when you tell them the impact of what God can do in your life, 
and you say it with credibility and you say it with conviction, all of a sudden people are going to start paying attention. Amen. I know this is probably overly simple tonight. But I, 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 want, I want to know a book of Acts, New Testament formula, strategy for church growth that begins with me. Everybody say revival. Say it starts with me. Revival starts with me. It, it has to start with me. Church growth doesn't start here. It starts here. Just like your prayer life doesn't start on Thursday night. It starts on Monday morning. Because for us to grow, I've got to grow. And I can just throw out a bunch of cheesy, you know, adages you've heard your whole life. You're only strong as your weakest link and all that kind of stuff. We grow, and then as we grow, as we revive in Christ, then we grow together. Why? Because spiritual things are attracted to other spiritual things, spiritually minded people. So there's that, that reviving. Everybody say it starts with me. And so it's, it's like trying to find a, a routine in your life that you can get the presence of God working in your life and to determine, I want God to work in my life every day. And if to revive means to make live again, life only comes through the power of the Holy Ghost, then that means I need the Holy Ghost in my life every day. I need revival every day. I want revival tomorrow. I want revival Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I want a me revival. Before I can have a we revival, I've got to have a me revival, and before I dare preach a the revival, I need to have a me revival. Amen. Praise God. And, and so when you get up in the morning, you need to pray. You need to say, God, I want to have revival today. I want you to revive me today. I, I, you know, getting up, the, old, the longer you live, getting up ain't as fun. Not that it ever was unless you were going hunting or fishing or something. You get up in the morning, all my post-40s can help me with this, you get your eyes open up to that alarm, or if you're unfortunate enough to wake up before an alarm, and your eyes pop open, and you lay there in the bed for a few moments, and you begin to ponder, do I even have the strength or will to put my feet over the edge of this bed? To endure the pain that's about to go from my heels to my earlobes. I'm going to use gravity and I'm going to roll over. My feet are going to hit the floor like a, like a rag doll. And I'm going to put my feet there. I'm probably going to hunch over for a second. Just staring at my feet. And I'm thinking to myself. Young people quit smiling. You don't even know what I'm talking about. And we all kind of don't like you because we know you don't have this going on right now. And then you think to yourself, do I really want to do this? I mean, 
Do I want, I, I know I'm not going to go back to sleep. I, I need to get this day started. And, and if you're like me, and you don't have to be, if you're like me, the thing that motivates you to put weight on your legs is knowing that in the, up, in the other room, not the upper room, <laughs> in the other room, you have taken advantage of technology and your electric kettle has already kicked on. And by the time you get into that room, those fresh ground beans of coffee are going to be waiting for you to then put into a pour up for me. If you use Keurig or whatever, and I pull that thing out. But before, when I stand up, I'm pushing up off the bed. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You kind of rock a little. Sometimes you get that morning where you rock back and forth before you stand up. You just kind of rock back and forth. You're like, oh, dear Lord, one, two. Heave ho, boom, you stand up. And all of a sudden, things start popping and pulling. And you walk across the room, and you sound like a bowl of Rice Krispies. Snap, crackle, pop all the way through the room. And go down the hallway and in there, and you, you smell the aroma of, of those freshly at least I do, those freshly ground beans. And I, and I inhale that, and it gives me enough strength to pick up the electric kettle and pour it over those coffee beans and to find that steam hit those fresh grounds of coffee. And it fog up my glasses with the smell of coffee. Maybe you take a little bit and snort it. I don't know what you do with it to get you going. Maybe you put a little bit under your tongue, and, and then you pour that coffee and you step back against the counter and you're wondering, did the earth suddenly get more gravitational pull because I'm having a harder time standing this morning than I did yesterday morning. And some of you think I'm exaggerating. I got more metal in my legs than you got in your car. So hold on. And I take a sip of that and that hot liquid rushes down my body and my heart goes, you are alive. This is no longer a dream. And then I can actually move a little bit more because somehow that coffee has lubricated joints that were just squeaking a few minutes earlier. And I can get my day started. And then a few, it takes a few minutes as I make my bowl of oatmeal that I've made every morning for the last seven or eight years. That's my ritual. That's my routine. Don't mess it up. And I put that cold milk on there. I don't like hot water on my oatmeal. I like to put cold milk on it and let my... Oats soaked there for a while. Now sit down and I'll drink it. And then, then after about 30 minutes, I take toothpicks and I pry my eyes open some morning. I don't even blink. I just spray water on them, you know. <laughs> you see, that's called reviving the body. I'm reviving my body so my body can get moving. You say, well, I can revive my own water. Well, bless your heart. I'm glad you can. I'm not as tough as you are. I need, that. I need my water to have some brown juice in it. And I'm revived. But what if in that reviving process, we say, my spirit man needs to be revived today? Because my spirit man is waking up with aches and pains. Because if it is neglected, if it is neglected, it's going to wake up with aches and pains. That spirit man needs even more to come in contact with the presence of God in communion. More than even my body needs the coffee and the oatmeal. So I've got to, everybody say revive me. 
it, it starts with me. And so if there's going to be church revival, church revival is going to start right here. It's going to start with me. And, and somehow we've got to equate it because the Bible does that there is the spirit man. And that spirit man, Jesus said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In other words, Jesus was telling us, amen, you're not going to live by coffee and oatmeal alone. You're not going to live by, by steak and taters alone. You're not going to live by, by salad and, and, and smoothies alone. You are going to need at some point daily in your life to come in contact with communion with the Lord Jesus Christ just as your flesh needs sustenance to live. Listen to me. Your spirit man, we he needs sustenance to live on the inside of you. Amen. If you're not nourishing the spirit man, he's emaciated and he's died and you will fall into every temptation that comes your way. If you don't feed, if you don't revive the spirit man, if you don't put enough effort into reviving the spirit man. Amen. It won't be long until you pray prayers that are empty and hollow. It won't be long until you may have energy but you don't have faith. You've got to revive that spirit man because if there's going to be church growth, it's going to start with this church. Amen. And then when you, you get your physical man to where uh, uh, he has got sustenance and, and energy and then you Stand him in front of a mirror if you are a decent, civilized human and you put toothpaste onto a toothbrush and you scrub your nasty teeth, amen, before you go out and meet the public, amen, hallelujah, glory to God. It's not in the Bible, but it should be. Brush your teeth, amen. And you brush your teeth and you go out and, and, and into the world and you comb your hair and, and you get dressed. You look presentable because even if it's your work uniform, even what you, you look presentable. Or I'm not saying you're trying to look like you stepped off a magazine, but we look presentable. We need to do that with the spirit inside of us. Amen. Let's put some effort into saying, I want revival, but I want it to start here. I want to say it like this. We cannot have harvest until we first have revival. Can't have revival. Can't have harvest until we have revival. Amen. And this, this is what God is calling. And I, I, I wish I had something a little more deep, a little more profound. Give me a few weeks. I'll, I'll come up with something that you'll think, oh, wow, I, I didn't even know that was there. This is simple. But if we're going to have harvest, we got to have revival. And revival doesn't start on Sunday. At 2 o'clock. It starts every day in my life. Every day in my life. My spirit. Can only live. If I nourish it to live. Got to nourish my spirit. To live. When we worked. Those. Uh, out, whether we were working out at, at Caswell's Farms or we were doing sheetrock or whatever we were doing. We knew we had a long day. We didn't, we didn't skip breakfast. You'd skip breakfast because you knew what you were putting in you might be the only thing you get until that evening. And so you start packing it away. And that's where, that's where I learned to fall in love with black-eyed peas, ham hocks, and cornbread in the morning because that'll stick with you all day long. 
because you need the energy to get through that day to accomplish the tasks that are before you. How can we then neglect the spirit man and expect it to accomplish what God wants done in our life daily when we only feed it once or twice a week? Amen. Oh, but pastor, I want to I home Bible studies. I want to make disciples. Well, God's not going to put a potential disciple in your life if you will disciple them after the manner of your spirit man. Because we'll end up making a twofold child of hell rather than a child of God. It's easy to present it. It's easy to dress it up, show up at the right time, and think, but that's not what, that's not what church is. Living for God is not Sunday 2, Wednesday 7, hopefully every once in a while Thursday 6.30. That's not living for God. That's the agreement we made as believers that we come to fellowship in the Spirit. My daily agreement is with Him. Man, this is good old meat and taters teaching tonight. It starts with, revival starts. I cannot expect to harvest if I have not revived the inner man in me. My house is full, Jesus said. My fields are empty. One of two things is happening. One, either everybody is too contented, which I lean toward. They're too contented to leave the house and go work. Or they're too sickly to leave the house and go work. There's not a third. We've got to decide, okay, I come to the house on Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday. I come to the house. I fellowship. I get strengthened by my fellow believer. And you know what? It strengthens my spirit to watch you worship. Or Excuse me. Let me back that up. That's, that's a lot. To worship with you. Somebody said one time, well, I know I don't worship, but I get my blessing watching everybody else worship. No, you don't. Because I bet you if I was eating your favorite dessert, you wouldn't be blessed watching me eat it. <laughs> You'd be going, hey, just, just push a little bit over. Here. No, you're getting blessed. Just watch this. Aren't you blessed your, your blood sugar jumping? Mine is. So I don't get blessed watching you. I get blessed joining you. It, it strengthens me to be strengthened with you. It encourages me to be encouraged with you. That's what we do. We come to the house. We get our strength. To walk out of the house. And we don't walk out of the house with a paper plate and a plastic fork still eating. We walk out of the house full bellies, revived, and reaching for a sickle to go to the harvest field, which is our job, our school, 
our family, our neighborhood, our home. But if the spirit man is dying, you won't have the energy to be able to have a mind of, Lord, who can I lead to you today? Because when, when you're spiritually emaciated, your whole spirit walk is this. God, help me. God, help me. Oh, help me. Oh, help me, God. This job, these people, this family, this wife, these, not that one, these kids. Oh, these taxes, this car, this house, this state, this county, these politics. Oh, God, I can't take it anymore. Oh, help me, give me the strength to make it. God, I can't make it in this wicked world. And the whole time you're doing that, the devil's just out there laughing. Because you're on the porch just banging the wall with your fist. And there's a whole harvest field rotting and going to waste. You know what that is? That's a spiritually malnourished person where their prayer life centers around themselves, not around others. I'm sorry, maybe I'll... Let me see if I can find a good sloppy, feel-good, Osteen-type message here. Here we go. How to win friends and influence. <laughs> Our prayer life gets into to, to so much of, bless me, oh God, I need a new job, oh God, help me, touch me, oh, and that stuff's necessary. Lord, teach us to pray when you pray. Pray like this, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Show me where he said me. Show me where he said, I deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. When Jesus, now that's not to say you can't pray about your needs. Now that, that, that's taking it to an extreme. The model Jesus was saying was this. Our prayer ought to be focused to him about us influencing the world. But we'll get in this vicious cycle of prayer where it's all about me. Bless my home, bless my car, bless my family. Lord, touch me, heal me, do this for me and that for me. And then, every, and then 90% of our prayer is based out of me. But when we pray like Jesus, we pray our needs, but we realize the need of a lost and dying world is an even greater need. Greater love hath no man than this, that he would what? Lay down his life. In other words, he would see his friend's need over his need. Amen. Is this okay tonight? Good. I was going to do it anyway. Amen. Now, now, I'm going to, because you're probably thinking, what does this have to do with New Testament church growth? That's probably what you're thinking. And you'd be thinking a good question. And, and I'm going to wind down. I was talking to our uh, leaders at our leadership summit and I said this year 
I want to, in both campuses, I want to reintroduce that thing that is so important and that, that, that is the mission of who we are as a first church campus. It's a three-word mission. Now, uh, and I said, we're going to be talking about a lot. We'll see it a lot. Because about 12 or so years ago, maybe longer, <clears throat> I felt in, in prayer the Lord spoke to me those three words. And some of y'all remember it because I said it all the time. And it's just who we are. And when, when I was praying, you know, God, you know, our mission and, and our purpose in the earth and in the city of Vacaville in Solano County, and God spoke to me with three words. Now, he didn't speak to me and say, son, go get a pen and 500 pages of paper because he knew I couldn't handle all that. He gave me three words. Connect, serve, grow. And I've held on to those three. That's the mission of our church. You look at our church. You look at our It says our mission is to connect, serve, grow. And then as I prayed about that, the Lord began to break it down to me and say, each one of those three has a three-prong reasoning or mission to it. Connect. That's the first mission. Connect to God. Connect to the body of Christ, the church. And connect to the city or the lost. Serve. Serve God. Serve one another. Serve the community. Grow. Grow in God. Grow together and then grow in the community. It's pretty simple, huh? It had to be or I wouldn't have got it. Everybody say it with me. Connect, serve, grow. That's what it's about. I can find all three of those in Acts chapter 2. Connect, serve, grow. That's our mission. Summed up in those three words, and each word has a three-pronged mission. God, church, community. Connect to God, serve God, grow in God. Connect to the church members, serve the church members, and grow with the church members. Serve God, serve the church, serve the community. It's pretty simple, huh? That is the model. That we can break down in our life that, that periodically we need to ask ourselves, am I connecting? Am I serving? Am I growing? And then use that in my, I can't look at your walk with God. The Bible says it's unwise to compare ourselves among ourselves, but yet we do it all the time inadvertently. I think most of the time it's inadvertent. We look over there and go, oh, oh, I'm not where they are. Or I'm not where they are. It's to measure me. I can't, I can't go to heaven for you, and you can't go to heaven for me. So revival starts here. Church growth starts here. Connect, serve, grow. it starts with me. Amen. How many getting anything out of this? And I have not even screamed one time. Amen. And so I, I was meeting with our, our, our gatekeepers, which are our leaders, our department heads, at our leadership summit in the beginning of the year. 
And I put together a diagram, and it'll kind of look familiar, uh, at least in a general setting, uh, because it, it kind of looks, it kind of looks like in, uh, like the solar system, and it, and it, and it's kind of that way in purpose, on purpose because I really enjoy. Uh, my wife can tell you I'm always like reading or watching some documentary on the solar system. I love planetary studies. I love uh, astrophysics. I, I I'm, I'm just amazed by it. Uh, not smart enough to be one, you know. Those guys are super genius, but you know. But I'm amazed by it. I study it. I read. I love. I just really enjoy. It. And I had somebody say one time, "Well, you got to be careful. That'll shake your faith in God." Are you serious? It affirms my faith in God. But the, none of those people are are Christian. Yes, you're exactly right. Those atheists give me more faith in the creative power of God than a lot of complaining Christians do. Because they inadvertently affirm everything the Bible says. Amen. The kingdom is, or they say that the, the, the universe is rapidly expanding faster than the speed of light or even the speed of gravity. They can't measure it. They want to try to figure out is, is the universe is in the shape of a cone. They, I mean, this is serious, serious stuff they debate. Or is it in the shape of a circle? Or is it, what shape does it take? And, 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 and that's fascinating to me that they say the universe is expanding beyond what we can imagine. And I just look at that and go, well, that's biblical. The Bible says of his kingdom, there shall be no end. It just keeps going. And he is with, he is all in all. And he it expands that. And, but you got to be careful with all that stuff. It'll, it'll take, are you kidding that my God fills the heavens? And that's going to make me lose faith in God? It's like, well, wow, what a God. The universe has to keep making room for him. Uh, uh, you say, well, it doesn't shake your faith? No, no. You know, they, 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 they come out with the whole Big Bang Theory, which they teach as science facts instead of science fiction. You know who even came up with the Big Bang Theory? Really wasn't even a scientist. It was a Catholic priest. I bet you didn't learn that in school, did you? It's a Catholic priest came up with the Big Bang Theory. Said that the energy of the universe and its darkness, void, without light, compressed upon itself with infinite matter of dark energy until one atom exploded and light shot out of it. And over billions and billions of years, the universe began. I'm going to tell you what. It takes a lot of faith to be an atheist that all of this accidentally happened because of the pressure of dark matter. Now, I like to believe the real Big Bang Theory because it's a Big Bang fact. In the beginning, God spoke and bang, everything happened exactly like he said. Amen. And so I, I, I got myself a Christmas present and I bought something I've never had and I always wanted. I've always wanted a telescope because ever since Addie's been a little girl, we'll take a blanket and we'll lay in the backyard and we'll stare up at the sky for hours. Lay on the trampoline if my back's really hurt and get on the trampoline and lay there. And I'm pointing out to her in the night sky. That, that's the little dipper. See that over there? It's a little dipper. Daddy, what's a dipper? Don't worry about it. <laughs> See the big version of it? That's the big dipper. 
We're just laying there. I mean, ever since she's been a little bitty, we just lay there and stare up at the sky. And that over there is Virgo. Over here is Pisces. And there's the constellation Orion. That's that's what's over there. And there's Leo. Daddy, what's Leo? It's well, it's a lion. It's it's Daddy, it don't look like a lion. Yeah, those people did a lot of drugs or something, because it don't look anything like it. They drank out of lead cups, ate with lead for I mean, they had lead damage in the brain. I don't know how they look up there and see a scorpion out of three stars. I don't get it. And so the other night, I pulled out my telescope for the first time, and, and I got a, a picture of the moon. And she got to see it close up for the first time with her eye, and we're just looking and zooming in. I just love that stuff. And a few months ago, when we was putting this together to get ready for our leadership, and I knew I was going to present it to the church, I wanted to present it in a way, not just connect, serve, grow, but in a way that would project, if you would, out of the Word of God into a thing that we could visualize, at least for me. Maybe you're beyond that. You don't need it. Just bear with those of us that are still using finger paintings. Maybe your own sketch artist and all that. We're down here still, you know, Smelling glue and licking markers and stuff, okay? Just got it simple. <laughs> now, we live in the Milky Way galaxy. We live in this universe or, or, or in this solar system. Our solar system rotates around the sun, orbits around the sun, unless you're a flat earther, and then don't pay attention to anything that I say. I still can't believe there are people that believe that, and they sincerely believe it. Bless their hearts. And the sun sits in the center, and the planets orbit around it. We have nine planets in the solar system. Don't tell me eight. Pluto is a planet. I'm not listening to you. It took me a long time to learn my very eager mother Just made us eat nine pizzas. If you don't know what that is, you, I don't know if you went to public school or not. That's how we had to learn the nine planets. Mercury, Venus, Earth, right? Pluto is still a planet. I'm claiming Pluto right now for the Lord. Amen. And those planets, they, they orbit the sun. And God's so strategic. And not just them, but... But even within our galaxy, there's millions of stars that are as bright and as powerful as our sun. And that don't take away from the Bible at all. That just shows the, the power and the might of our God. There's, there's millions of stars, and there's billions and maybe even trillions of galaxies and stars. Just, just amazing that God put all this stuff. I love this stuff, as you can tell. And... and you got Mercury, who is just a ball of fire. It's so close to the sun. you got Venus, um, who is full of sulfuric acid and so warm. And the pressure is, you landed on Venus, you'd be squirched like a bug like that because the gravitational pull is so hard. It's close. And then there's Earth, and it sits right in what they call the Goldilocks zone. It sits right there. It's the only place in our solar system, our galaxy, even the universe, that a human could survive because... And you think that's an accident? 
did you know just, a, just two miles closer to the sun and we would fry. Two miles further than the orbit we're in right now, we'd be a ball of ice. But God just went. He just said, there you go. Y'all don't know who the Globetrotters are? Come on. And we just started spinning this rock right here, and he left us there. And we move around. But the sun is the center of it all. The sun is the center of it. The sun gives us our energy. It gives life. God put it there. God knew how hot it needed to be. He gives, that light gives us energy. It gives, it grows. There's light. All of this stuff comes from light that's in the center. Heat, food source. You, you know, you couldn't live without sunlight. You'd die. Amen. So, when I started thinking about this, how to make it simple, it just kind of went to me like this. God needs to be the center of our life. Profound, I know. Give somebody smelling sauce if they passed out. God needs to be at the center, right? God's at the center. Everything we do needs to revolve around God. I need to make my life plans around God's will for my life. Because if I get out of orbit, if I stop, if I go into an elongated orbit around it, if I, if I mess it up, it's all going to get out of balance. I've got to stay around Jesus and what his plan and his will is for my life. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm winding this down. And so at the center has got to be Jesus. At the center has got to be God's will for our life. That's the sun. S-O-N, S-U-N, whatever you want. It's the sun. It balances the gravitational pull. It allows us to walk. It gives us the light and the sustenance, the energy and the strength that we need. It brings the seasons, the tides, the ebbs, the flows, everything. And at the center, if you'll go ahead and click a couple times. At the center, I put first church because I believe God is in the church. And I believe the church is in God. The, the church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church, the head of the body. We are all members in particular of one body. That is the body of Christ. So I don't think it's a stretch or an exaggeration to say, first church, you put the church, you get my point, is in the center. We need to put God at the center of all we do. And, and then I begin to draw three rings of, of, of orbit that would draw us closer. Not only draw us closer, but give us a roadmap to draw others closer to God. Or to the church. And, and so that first and that most outer point, and you're going to hear this more. If you'll go ahead and click the next one. This all goes to connect, serve, grow, click again. It's connect groups. That's that furthest outer ring. It's connect groups. Okay. You ready? Million dollar question. What's the purpose of connect groups? It's right there. To connect. You all passed with an A-plus today. Congratulations. Amen. It's to connect. It's not, it's not discipleship group. It's not Bible study group. It's not church group. It is connect group. It, it's to connect. It's to connect with people. 
ideally people who don't come to church, as well as those who do come to church. Now, let me say this. I've had people in both campuses reach out and say, hey, I, I, I did a connect group, and I couldn't get anybody to show up. And my next question was always, who did you invite? Oh, well, they put my name up and said, it's connect group. We've got to do our diligence to say, my place, Sister Tanya does Starbucks. I, you guys did pizza before, pizza place, your house, whatever. And, and it's about connecting. But if you wait till Thursday evening to connect somebody to connect group 24 hours later, most of the time, they're already busy. If you wait till three hours before and you run on Facebook and say, nobody shows up, then don't get discouraged because we get out of it what we put into it. Connect group. Thank God the family of God will show up at your house and people in the church will come to your house. That's wonderful. That's great. Make that connection. We need connections outside the sanctuary. But, it, but it's really not even designed for that. It's designed for that coworker who's already skeptical about church. Now, y'all can go ahead and get mad at me. It wouldn't be the first. won't be the last. I'd rather people come to a connect group before they come to a church service. You want to know why? Because people that make connections end up staying. Here's what we've done in 20, 21st century church. We give them a card. We give them to church. Bless you. Hope to see you again next Sunday. And then everything's around getting them back to the next service. And very little is around trying to get to know them. How's things going in your life? Hey, let's get together. Let's do. You say, but, but we're friendly. But every church in, every church in this city is friendly. I, I would think. It, it, Okay, maybe not every. Listen, 99.99% of them are. I'm sure there's one church that's filled with a bunch of jerks somewhere. So I'll, I'll give you that one. The vast majority of churches are friendly. You're going to walk in and go, hey, we're glad you're here. Hey, fill out a card. Hey, you know, let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, come on. Hey, I'm glad to have you. They're going to be friendly. People aren't looking for friendly churches. They're looking for friendship. There's a big difference between putting on a smile and saying, glad to have you, and saying, hey, glad to have you. What's your name? Hey, you got any Thomas? Hey, you, you like coffee? I like coffee. We get together and have some coffee and just talk. You like guns? Like running from them? <laughs> you know. <laughs> get to church right now. <laughs> And Brother Chase will be teaching that class next week. <laughs> Amen. But, but, but it's, it's about more than being friendly. It's about making friendships. Jesus didn't say, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Just keep walking and just never talk to them again. Oh, you're still here? Well, huh. I mean, three and a half years, Jesus had to be looking over his shoulder going, what are these 12 weirdos just, just keep following everything? No, at some point, he said, sit down. Let's eat. Your mother-in-law's sick, I'll pray for her. She gets healed. 
I can't believe Peter went back to him after that. That's a joke. It's been a running joke for years. <laughs> my mother-in-law loves me, and she loves my mother-in-law jokes because she knows she's the best. All right. You won't get people to walk to a cross with you until you've wept around some fires at night. And you've shared some meals together. And you've owed the tax man together and you've fretted about it. We cannot expect church growth without personal investment. They went house to house. That does not negate the fact that we need to be a church. But what that means is our church growth strategy has got to, God's got to touch our mind. That church growth strategy cannot be a part-time investment on the weekend. But a full-time lifestyle of making and maintaining friendships. Well, Pastor, I want to, but people are weird. They are. And I are one. You are one too. You keep praying for your perfect sinner that's got their nice little three bedroom, two bath house, white picket fence. 20% of their mortgage left and 1.3 kids. You keep praying for that one. They don't have any issues. Don't smoke, don't dip, don't chew, don't run with the boys who do. You go ahead and keep praying for that one. But the moment you say, God, lead me to those that are hungry, it might lead you under a bridge to a wino. But it's messy. They're smelly, they're needy, they got issues. And, and, Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. But Pastor, I, I want to be her friend, but she's got so much drama in her life. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. But who's going to help them? Another pill? Another self-help book? A, a, another life coach? Good Lord. I mean, how desperate you got to need to hire somebody to tell you, do it. You know what? If you are that less motivated, I'll charge you half price of a good life coach. I'll call you every day and go, you can do it. You can do it. I don't know what you're doing, but you can do it. $59.99. God bless you. Right? I heard somebody on a plane a while back. I said, what do you do? I'm a life coach. And I thought, really? You follow them around the office with a whistle. <laughs> Flag. <laughs> I want to be a life coach. Pastor, he's got, he's got problems. We all got them. Here's the difference. See, they're connected to a lot of people. That feed into their problem. You've got an answer. To that problem. And it's. It's Jesus. So I bring them to a. Connect group. To connect. 
Isn't that amazing? This is why at Connect Group, I'm not in the video going, you bunch of reprobates and sinners, you're going to burn up in hell and split it wide open. You better repent and give your life to God, you bunch of heathens. Because that won't work. That's why I am... <laughs> That's why I'm saying things that will challenge. Now, it's not always, <laughs> it, sometimes you've you got to learn to forgive. You've got to overcome shame and guilt in your life. You've got to learn to trust God. You've got to learn to have a better relationship with your fellow men. Biblical things that don't box them in. Because if I follow the book of Acts, it's going to take me to the next ring, which will take me closer which is a fellowship group. See, a connect group is not a fellowship group, although there is fellowship in a connect group. Does that make sense? A fellowship, well, pastor, when are we going to have fellowship groups? Well, bless your pee-picking heart, have one. We don't have to put a coordinator over it. Well, what's the fellowship group? I think we're going to fellowship group this Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. We're going to go blast some clay pigeons out of the sky. That's a fellowship group, hallelujah. I have to organize it. Our church, everybody get a fellowship group. No, get a fellowship group. Do it yourself. Pastor, I'm beyond that. I'm going to have a prayer group. Okay, it'll be you and maybe nobody else. You'll get some raw sinner he met at Walmart in the dairy aisle and say, hey, would you like to come to my house and pray with me? I'm going to, I'm going to pray with you. If they do follow you home, you better keep some mace nearby. You better keep some mace nearby. I ain't talking about prayer group. I'm talking about fellowship group. But I've got so much I need to give them. Yeah, 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 yeah. They don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Quit trying to take the Bible and cram it down their throat. Build a report. Get some credibility with them first. Build a relationship that's not based on, I'm trying to put a hook in your mouth and drag you to the altar. Although, you know, we're kind of doing that. Right? Hi, glad to have you. Have you repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, received the Holy Ghost right now in the name of That's not going to go very far. It's not going to go there. Now, there might be a case where that happens. I've seen cases where it was pretty quick. But the Bible model was build a relationship with them. Come, come. Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. He didn't say jump down from there, you little dwarf. He didn't say that. You pee-picking politician, you thieving tax collector, get down from that tree and let me tell you what a sinner you are. He said, hey, I'm going to your house today and we're going to eat in fellowship. Jesus changed more lives breaking bread. And we're expecting to change more lives standing on a platform. Say, Pastor, you got to be careful. You're, you're diminishing the value of a church service. No, I'm not. I'm not. Because if you've connected with them there, by the time they get here, they've already been invested into. That's what a fellowship group. When are we having fellowship groups? When you get people together. 
Connect group is just to connect. Fellowship group is to, to develop a relationship. Say, okay, that's where I'm going to do the Bible study. No, that's where you're going to do the fellowship. See, we get so ahead of ourselves. Well, what if they die in a car wreck and I didn't give them a Bible study? Well, then, so God's not sovereign? Now, listen, I've heard every fear tactic in the book when I grew up. That's why I thought when I knocked doors, I'd knock on people's doors. Hey, God bless you. Uh, um, I'm Tim Wisnett, and I'm from, uh, I'm from Souls Harbor Pentecostal Church. And I just want to let you know that uh, if you hadn't repented of your sins and been baptized in Jesus' name according to Acts 2, now listen to I do it just like this. And been baptized according, in Jesus' name according to Acts 2, 38. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh, I don't care what church you go to, you are going to hell. Do you like a Bible study? That's exactly how I do it. Why? Because they had screamed at me from the pulpit for years. If you don't teach them that Bible study, they'll die of a heart attack when you walk out of the room. They'll die in a car wreck on the way. So you're telling me God is so vindictive and mean that if they truly were seeking after him, God said, go ahead, logging truck, pull out in front of them. That's not the kind of God I serve. That's not the kind. My God, my God, it's not willing that any man should perish. Now, I'm not saying string along for 20 years and never tell them who Jesus is. Don't get it twisted. Connect. Build a relationship. You can talk about God during all that time. Please do. Because a fellowship group, now you're steering them toward getting closer. Ready? Hit the next button. I can't hold it like this forever. Discipleship. You don't disciple through a connection. You don't even disciple initially through fellowship. You're starting the process, and they really don't even know it. It's in discipleship. You see how it's getting closer and closer and closer? See, if we go at them, and we're just like a rabid animal, Got to get you in the church. Got to get you in the church. They're going to see through that real fast. But when you truly care about them, I don't know about what well, Jesus would walk on Emmaus for a long time with a couple of disciples that were brokenhearted. If I was Jesus, I wouldn't have done it. I'd have said, you don't know who I am? See ya. But he walked with them, sat down, and as soon as he broke bread, they immediately knew it was him and he disappeared. Isn't it amazing that they recognized Jesus only after he broke bread? You want to know why? Because that's how they was used to seeing him, breaking bread, fellowshipping, and making disciples. We, wanna, we got this idea of disciple makings up here <laughs> or down here. Disciple making. Breaking bread. Fellowship. Connection. I know I didn't give you anything to run the aisles about tonight. But it's in the Bible. It may not be in the latest church growth seminar, but it's in the Bible. It may not be the latest gimmick, but it's in the Bible. And I believe the Bible still works. And I believe Jesus is still right. And I believe that loving people, connecting, fellowshipping, serving, 
will eventually lead somebody to Jesus. Amen. Now, I'm going to wrap this up. Brother Lucas, come give us hope. Because I, 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 I listen, I've been, I've been in Pentecost my whole life. And I know, I know, some, man, we, we have, <laughs> well, hallelujah. We, we sometimes make fun of denominal people and all their rituals and stuff. We got more sacred cows than anybody. Bless God, that's how they did in 1964. Yeah, that's why that church is deader than a hammer, too. Remember, there was a church one time, they said, we want you to be the youth leaders. Okay, yeah, what do I do? Hand me a book of flannel graph. Here. Flannel graph? I didn't even know what flannel graph was. That was in the 90s. You don't even know what flannel graph was. That's what they did in the 70s. You don't reach young people. So we're going to have youth service. We're going to play volleyball. We're going to have, we're going to do fellowships and we're going to, we're going to have church, and we'd have church, and we'd have fellowship, and we'd have prayer, and we'd have fellowship, and we'd have prayer, and we'd have fellowship, and we'd have church, and we'd have outings, and we'd do all of them. The church started growing, and there was always them people sitting around going, I don't like that. I don't think that youth group spiritual enough. Bless God. When I came up into church, we prayed 25 hours a day. We fasted eight days a week. We read the Bible in Hebrew through much prayer. God gave us the interpretation. These carnal, carnal young people up here laughing and having a good time. And let me tell you, I am the only young person from that church that is serving God to this day. Well, know why? Because they took what worked for them and tried to put everybody else in that mold. And that's why somebody that may come with you, you may not disciple them. Because y'all might be on polar opposites, but God might connect them in a connect group to somebody else in the church. And we can't get, we can't get ownership of them. That's my new convert. That's my. It's the Lord's. Owns the Lord. Amen. Does this make sense tonight? This ought, you know what this ought to do? It ought to, one, take a lot of pressure off you. Like, whew, okay. I think I can do this. I think I can be nice. I think I can pray every day. I think I can have revival every day. I think I can do that. I think I can do that. I can have revival every day. Bless God. I can wake up, drink a gallon of coffee and have revival. Amen. I can wake up. Take my vitamins. My wife laughs at my vitamins. That's okay. It, t- it takes me 20 minutes to take my vitamins. I'm not kidding you. I take about, what, 30-something vitamins? It's a handful of them. Just, they get hung up. I can take so many of them, they get hung up. I start down in water. And I'm eating my oatmeal, trying to force its way down. And I drink some hot coffee. Hopefully, it'll melt the gel caps. Go down there. <laughs> Hanging up here, sometimes I'm up going. Dang, I'm kidding. I'll go take a piece of my low-carb toast and put some butter and jam on it, and I'm eating it, and I'm down, and all of a sudden that 
that dam of vitamins will break. <laughs> I can see it one day they're going to be standing at my funeral going, here lies Pastor Wisman. He died trying to be healthy. He just couldn't swallow that third calcium pill. <laughs> There'll be no more calcium in heaven. Set free from the vitamin D. But I can get up in the morning and take care of this. I can take care of this. And if I'm full of the Spirit, if I'm full of God's Spirit, It'll help me to be nice to people. You ever went a day without praying? Now, don't raise your hand because I know nobody else here has ever done that besides me. You ever went a day where you just passed, you just didn't have, you just, it just slipped your mind? I, please don't pass out. Please. I know you, I'm going to shock somebody right now. I don't wake up in the morning levitating off the bed going, hallelujah, hallelujah. Usually I wake up in the morning sunk in the bed going, oh, God. <laughs> but isn't it amazing? <laughs> isn't it amazing, Sister Strickland, if you pass up your prayer time, how intolerable people are? You just go through the store and you're like, Bunch of jerks. <laughs> Look at the price of eggs. I can't stand this anymore. It don't take much prayer, being without much prayer. Start, you start looking at cute puppies going, <laughs> Nice, cute, fuzzy puppy. And look at them and say, yeah, your mother's a cat. And just keep walking. See somebody's beautiful car. I like my new car. It looks like a toaster. Maybe you're not like that without praying, but I am. I become El Jerko. I become critical of everybody. Then we sing, makes me want to love everybody. Makes me want to love everybody. Makes me want to love everybody. It's good enough for me. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. It was good for Paul and Silas. It was just like my King James Bible. It was good for Paul and Silas. It was good for Paul and Silas. It's good enough. You want to know why? Makes me want to love everybody. Makes me want to love. Got me. Got me. It's good enough for me. Amen. You get 
revived here, then you can bring life here. There, you know, there's somebody on your job. I'm talking, I, I believe this. Somebody in this room, you got somebody on your job that has been dying to connect you. They really do. Maybe, maybe they don't show it in the right way, but they hurt, they have needs in their life, and they know there's something different about you. But sometimes we leave our, sometimes we leave our joy in the car before we clock in. And we're just trying to get through work. Just think, I got to get home. I got, oh, when I get home, I'm going to get the joy. I get back in my car. I'll turn on my Kirk Franklin. I'm going to have joy again. I'm going to be revived again. But what if you took it and walked into the job with a big smile? Not trying to be a creepo or a weirdo. Just, just being a decent human. Love everybody. Boss being a jerk. I love you, jerk. I love you. I mean, boss, I love you. Because you can't fellowship unless you connect. And you can't disciple unless you fellowship. And they won't ever get in the church unless they've been connected to, fellowship with, and been discipled by. Connect. Next one. Serve. Grow. Stand with me. It's a book of Acts model. I'd copyright it, except I'd be violating copyright on the Bible. Amen. I got it right out of the Bible. Amen. Amen. It should take the pressure off of you that I've got to go out and be some super spiritual mystic seeing into their dark past and finding out something I can say to them and, and just surprise them with my spirituality. No, no, no. Just be a friend. Just be nice. Just be nice. Love them. Be a Christian. Hey, there's a novel idea. <laughs> Act like Jesus would. And I'm not talking about the table-turning, dove-smashing Jesus either. I'm talking about, the, you know, say, Pastor, you got to come get me out of jail. Why? You said to act like Jesus. I walked into Chipotle, and they didn't have the carne asada. I started flipping tables over. I started throwing their money out the door. I took my belt off, started hitting people. I said, Pastor Sippy. Amen. Just love people. Church growth starts where? Revival starts where? And if it'll start here, it'll reach out there. Let's lift our hands tonight. Jesus, you are more than wonderful to us, God. I thank you, Lord, for this awesome church family. I thank you, Lord, because there are people of like precious faith that want to see your kingdom come and your will be done in the earth, in the city of Ackerville, in Solano County, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, on our jobs, at the grocery store, at the marketplace, at the bank, at the restaurant. Lord, we want to be able to make a connection with people. Lord, give us the the, the intent focus, oh God. Renew the purpose in us, God, of the infilling of your spirit in our life. For it's not to win debates. It's not trying to lord over, but it's trying to just bring them to you with the grace that you brought us to yourself. 
God, I pray this week, Lord, we would be able to put into practice exactly what the disciples did, exactly what the early church did. Lord, I'm praying that there's spontaneous connect groups begin, spontaneous fellowship groups. Lord, I pray that homes are filled with Bible studies and discipleship groups. Lord, I pray that people are getting baptized in swimming pools, jacuzzis, creeks, lakes, rivers, bathtubs. Because somebody got a revelation that church growth starts with me and revival starts with me. Would you, before we leave, reach over and just pray with your neighbor real fast. Just pray with them for a moment. Ask God to empower them. Ask God to strengthen them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd help them to be a witness, that credible witness, to testify of your mercy and your goodness and your righteousness in our life, oh God. Hallelujah. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.